Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, I'm Shauna Kaur. Welcome to our Tipping Point podcast where we discuss all things climate. Humanity is now at a crossroads with two possible futures in front of us. One where we make the changes needed in the next decade and thrive, and a rather more alarming one where we don't. Neil Leslie and I cover environmental stories every day. We have been speaking to experts, activists, and changemakers around the world about the realities of what climate change means for humanity. But there is still hope. This week, we spoke to Tessa Clark, who founded the food app Oleo, about the emissions food waste creates and how we need to stop buying so much. Food waste is an enormous cause of the climate crisis and sort of turning that into a few kind of Hard-hitting stats, Uh, if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And the reason for that is because a landmass larger than China is used every single year to grow away food that's never eaten. So that is all the land that has been deforested, soil that's been degraded, species driven to extinction. It's also all the packaging and manufacturing and refrigeration and distribution too. And then... When we end up throwing away a third of all the food we produce, the majority of it ends up going to landfill. And when food waste ends up in landfill, it creates methane, which is over 25 times more deadly than carbon dioxide. So it really, really is an enormous environmental problem on so many fronts. And a statistic that really hit home for me when I, when I first sort of uh, heard it, which really contextualizes it for us in our homes, is the carbon emissions from just one kilogram of food waste is equivalent to the carbon emissions from landfilling 25,000 plastic bottles. Um, And if you think of all the, you know, I mean, I think we sort of quite rightly (laughs) really dislike single-use plastic, but single-use plastic is almost kind of a rounding error in comparison to food waste. And that's why it's really, really important that all of us play our part in trying to solve the food waste problem. And in Ireland specifically, 25% of all food waste does take place in the home. So it means that everybody has a massive role to play in trying to solve this problem. I mean, the the figures themselves and the statistics are are quite staggering when you outline them like that, uh, the the scale of it, aren't they? Do do you find when you share those kind of numbers with people, they're they're, they're shocked by this? They are, yes, because... Most people, as you said in the intro, that the first place they go to when they think about the climate crisis does tend to be fossil fuels. And it does not tend to be food or food waste because food just seems so natural, doesn't it? It sort of, you know, it comes from the ground. And if it ends up returning to the ground, what's the big deal? But what we're not seeing is all of the resources that are going into producing that food. And so I've talked about the carbon impact of what goes into our food, but there's also a massive water impact as well. So every time you're throwing away 
an apple or a banana, for example, you're not just throwing away an apple or a banana, you're throwing away over 100 litres of water that went into producing that single apple or that single banana. And, you know, on the one hand, all of this stuff is a bit depressing, but if you actually kind of flip it on its head, then actually it can be really energizing, engaging and empowering because all of us are throwing away food and all of us can stop throwing away food. And, in, and if we do that, then we can play a really, really important role in, in helping to solve the climate crisis. And was it, was it that discovery for you, Tessa, that kind of ignited your passion for this and made you start Oleo? Just curious about the background or the sort of whether there was a spark somewhere along the line. And would love to hear as well about why you started it, what it does how it's grown over the years and how well it is doing in Ireland. So in terms of how Olio started, it was really born out of an experience that I had seven and a half years ago. I was moving back to the UK from living overseas. And on moving day, the removal men told me I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. Now, I'm a farmer's daughter, so food waste is a crime in my family. So I was not prepared to throw this food in the bin like I was being asked to do. And instead, I set out onto the streets with my newborn baby, my toddler at the time, clutching this food, hoping to find someone to give it to. And to cut a long story short, unfortunately, I failed. I went back to my apartment. And when the moving men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my packing boxes. And that was the moment I just thought, wow, this is really crazy, the lengths I'm going to, to avoid throwing this food in the bin. I'm probably performing a criminal offence, but to me, it felt more criminal to put perfectly good food in the bin when I knew there was someone probably less than 100 metres away from me who would like it. And at that point in time, I'd worked in the digital world for over a decade. I knew there's an app for everything. And I couldn't believe there wasn't a simple app where I could give my food away to anyone who was living nearby who would like it. And that then sort of took me on uh, and my co-founder, Sasha, on this journey. So that was the light bulb moment. Then when we researched the problem of food waste to understand if it was how big it was, we, we were absolutely horrified by what we discovered. We couldn't believe that the whole world wasn't screaming from the rooftops uh, about this problem. And then we committed to spending the rest of our lives, quite frankly, doing everything we could to solve the problem of food waste at scale. Brilliant. So Olio, how is it doing in Ireland? So we uh, launched Olio in Ireland earlier on this year, uh, and we've been really thrilled with the uptake. So we came into Ireland actually in partnership with Tesco, because we had been working with Tesco in the UK via something called our Food Waste Heroes program. So we have over 60,000 trained volunteers who are members of our community who we match with their local store, which could be a supermarket or a restaurant or a cafe or a canteen. And the allotted time and day, that volunteer will pop out the house, they'll go across the road, they'll go into the store and pick up all of the unsold food. They'll then take that food home, add it to the app. Within minutes, people living nearby are requesting it. And minutes later, they're popping around and picking it up. So that takes that food from having been considered waste in the store to instead on average within two hours being fully redistributed into multiple homes in the local community. And we've been working with Tesco on this in the UK. So we'd rolled out across their whole store portfolio of several thousand stores. And they then wanted to uh, expand that into Ireland, as did we. And so we launched the Food Waste Heroes program in Ireland. And we've been absolutely thrilled with the uptake of uh, food sharing and not just food sharing, actually sharing of other items uh, in Ireland as well. I'm kind of interested in that uh, brand, how you would brand people as heroes in, in that sort of way. You see it in those kind of terms, do you? It's, uh, 
it's kind of a struggle is it uh you know heroes uh and it's kind of like a, a a war people are engaged in in some senses is that how you would see it i think we just would really want to celebrate the power of these just incredible small acts like every time someone does rescue some food they are having an incredible impact and, and we think it is heroic to take time out of your day to go rescue some food and not just rescue the food with all the environmental impact but make sure that food is eaten by someone in your local community who would like it or sadly might even want it and i think in particular through covid and as the cost of living crisis is ramping up it is more important than ever that this food is being eaten, not thrown away. And so our volunteers, they they really, truly are heroes. And the people who collect the food from them absolutely consider what they're doing to be really, really heroic. And we like to celebrate what they do. We share back with them uh, their impact data. So how many people they have shared food with and also the environmental impact of that in terms of the litres of water they've saved, the number of car miles they've taken off the road, etc. I'm not sure if you have to hand any of the kind of the numbers or, or statistics on the, the growth of, of the program in Ireland. I do. Yes. So we have had just over 60,000 people join us in Ireland since we launched earlier on this year, which is fantastic. A really, really great start. But as always, we kind of want to get the whole country sharing because there's no reason why we should be throwing perfectly good food away and other household items as well. So. People also use Olio to give away toiletries and cleaning products and kitchen appliances and books, clothes and toys, stuff that you don't want to sell. You don't want to ship it across the country. You just want a happy, smiling member of your local community to sort of pop round and, and, and take it off your hands, really. Um, so, yeah, we really it's really critical that we help people move from our current way of living and our current model of consumption, which is basically about buying stuff brand new using it for very little of its useful life and then either wasting it because it sits on a shelf being unused or wasting it because we're tossing it in the bin and we're all sort of uh, rinse, wash, repeating on that cycle. And instead, we want to move to a new model, which is about essentially sharing instead of shopping. And the reason why we're really motivated uh, about this is because of something called Earth Overshoot Day. Now, Earth Overshoot Day is the day in the year in which humanity has used all the resources that the earth can replenish in a year. Back in 1971, Earth Overshoot Day was the 25th of December. So what that means is humanity used in a year what the earth could replenish in a year. We were living in equilibrium with the planet back then. If you fast forward to this year, 2022, Earth Overshoot Day was the 28th of July. So what that means is that every single thing, that every single one of us, almost 8 billion people, are consuming after the 28th of July, is net net depletive to the planet. And that's why it is so important that we sort of liberate and release all these things that are trapped in our homes that are not being used and we make and we give them away instead of throw them away or we give them away instead of having them gathering dust. So this week um, has been the kickoff of London Fashion Week and we've just launched a campaign encouraging people to give away the clothes that they're not wearing because recent research has shown that 50% of our clothes and our wardrobes we never wear. You know, and, and that isn't just an item of clothing. That is the world's precious resources trapped in that clothing. Meanwhile, someone two doors down is buying yet more stuff. So we're really, really passionate about connecting communities to share things instead of waste them. I mean, do you find that one of the, the hardest challenges to, to change people's behavior and mindset around that idea of buy once or 
you know, reusable stuff, or is it that maybe a younger generation get it uh, a bit more so, and it's it's also kind of older generations that are, are wedded to that uh, type of behavior that you know we must buy everything ourselves and and use it as little as possible, as you say, and instead of kind of uh, recycling things into a, a circular kind of a world. It's definitely an enormous challenge because it does require a mindset shift and behavior shift. And if you think we have all been marketed to for the past 50 years and every way we turn, we have been strongly encouraged, you know, from politicians through to the adverts we watch on our TV through to everything else to consume, consume, buy, buy, buy. It's almost sort of, you know, we're called consumers, aren't we? It's almost like that's that's been our responsibility. So there's definitely a massive rewiring that we're having to do. On the plus side, actually, this modern model of consumption is the anomaly. And what humans have been doing for many, many thousands of years is sharing the world's most precious resources we have always shared with our local community. In terms of the age group sort of dynamic, what we see going on, actually kind of the very older generations are the least wasteful generations because they still remember the war for example, and the concept of rationing. Um, and so they really understand through lived experience how precious things that in the current world, they seem to be in endlessly abundant supply. They remember when they weren't. Um, and actually, kind of, if you look at all the data, sadly, there is a bit of a schism, sort of the, the, the Gen Z or Z, as you call them. Um, many of them are very, very motivated to solve the climate crisis. But sadly, that is also the demographic that is buying most fast fashion, that is wasting most food. Um, so, yeah, there are definitely generational differences, that's for sure. We're long past, aren't we, the make-down men sort of generations, aren't we? Yeah, but we're going to we're gonna have to come back to that sort of whether we like it or not, because right now we are consuming the resources collectively as if we have 1.75 planets. So by definition, our current model cannot continue. And while um, sort of thinking along those lines, while retailers and I'm not just saying, you know, supermarkets are a part of the problem, they're not, like you said, a part of the total problem, you know, especially with food, the majority of the issue is, is it within homes? Is, is that how you see it? Yeah, so if you look at Ireland specifically, so it varies from, from country to country, but in Ireland, a million tonnes of food uh, are wasted each year, and roughly 25% of that takes place in the home. 20% takes place at sort of restaurants and food services. 10% um, is retail and distribution, and then the remainder is sort of up the supply chain and on the farm, at the farm gate. So a quarter of the problem in Ireland is taking place in the home. And... That's exactly what Olio is aiming to do. Like our core insight, I guess, if you like, is that no one likes throwing away food. Like you'd be hard pushed to find anyone who says, I really enjoy putting perfectly good food in the bin. But the reason why we waste food is because we lead a busy modern life. So perhaps we work late or we go away for the weekend or for holiday. We over cater for parties. We receive unwanted food gifts. We go on diets. Our kids used to love that yesterday. They hate it today. There are all these things that mean that for one reason or another, we have too much food in our homes. And the reason why that sort of surplus of food becomes food waste is because we are no longer connected to our local communities. 
so we no longer have anyone to give our spare food to. And that's what the Olio app aims to do, is to connect you with your local community so that you can give away your spare food in a way that is really simple and safe uh, and, and feels great, to be honest. It feels kind of really good to give something that you don't want to someone else who is living nearby who would like it. Tessa, I wanted to pick up on, you mentioned the cost of living crisis and you can see, I mean, always with some of these uh, environmental issues, when you scratch them, there's a social issue uh, attached as well or very just beneath the surface. And the flip side of food waste is obviously food po poverty and the, 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 the type of uh, economy we're in now, obviously that's become uh, uh, much more uh, of an urgent issue. This is an obvious kind of way or one obvious way people can, can sort of uh, help them help around the cost of living, I guess, if you see it that way. Yes, uh, it is. I think it is absolutely criminal that we have a million tons of perfectly good food being thrown in the bin in Ireland when so many people and families are struggling to put food on the table. It makes no sense whatsoever. We can kind of get involved in our homes by giving away our spare and it can make an enormous difference to someone who's living nearby. And, and the beauty of the Olio solution is that there is no stigma associated with it. Um, absolutely anybody can request that food and pop around and pick it up and we do have members of our community who are really struggling they are having a tough time and they tell us over and over again that what they love is the fact that they can use olio with dignity they're just the same as anybody else and we have done some research and sort of three quarters of our people who are regularly picking up food from us tell us that it has really helped improve their financial well-being and 66 percent of people have told us that it has improved their mental health as well, which is incredibly powerful. So we're definitely calling on all households to share their spare and to recognise sort of at the moment when you have an inkling that you're probably not going to get round to eating it, that's the moment to add it to the app. Not sort of leave it in the fridge for another five days until it's sort of crawling out uh, by itself. You need the minute you recognise you're not going to eat it, um, take the 10 seconds to share it with someone else. And we're also encouraging businesses as well to get involved and to redistribute their unsold food because it's just morally reprehensible that they are throwing away food at the scale that they are when the communities in which they exist uh, could benefit so greatly from that surplus food. And that's why I think Tesco is doing a wonderful job, really kind of pioneering and leading the sector because they have very publicly stated that they want to get to zero food waste stores and it shouldn't be just tesco who's doing that it, every food business should be aiming to have zero food waste stores given that they are based in the heart of a local community when there's so many people around them who would who would dearly love access to that unsold food mm -hmm. and and obviously alongside this i mean we've got an environmental justice element we know well, what is it something like 80 percent of the forest that's cut down in the amazon is to flat flatten it to grow cattle for people to eat um you know we've got land use issues around the world we've got that and this is all fueling of course biodiversity and the extinction crisis but do you think when someone goes into their lo local supermarket or they're thinking about the food in their fridge that they they're aware of these issues in their minds my experience is that most people are not yet aware of that i'd say our general level of awareness and education around our food, where it comes from and what's gone into creating it is way lower than it should be because I think many of us are so divorced from the land. But I do think that 
food, you know, we started Oleo seven years ago and nobody was to talking about food waste then. And they most certainly did not know it was a problem. Whereas now it does feel like there is a growing level of awareness that it ha does have a massive environmental impact. And I think more and more people are understanding and learning that globally a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away. And that is such a sobering stat. And I think it does uh, force us to sort of wake up. So there is growing awareness of the problem of food waste on a macro level. But unfortunately, there is very little awareness of our role in that. Because most people, when I talk to them about the problem of food waste, the first thing they say is, but what about the supermarkets? <laughs> and generally, actually, the supermarkets, so just using the Irish data, Households are, through, are responsible for 25% of all food waste, but sort of supermarkets and their distribution, their supply chains are only 10% of all the food waste. So actually, we're kind of two and a half times more responsible for the problem than the supermarkets are. And this is very counterintuitive to people. And that's because I think it's really hard to just grasp just how many of us there are, just how many households there are. And if we're all throwing away, uh, in the case of Ireland, you know, 700 euros of perfectly good food is thrown away by a typical household every single year. That adds up when you layer it across millions of households. And in contrast, there are only thousands of stores. And for the stores, food waste is lost profit. So they have actually been working pretty hard to try and minimize that. Whereas uh, many people in their homes, unfortunately, have not realize just how much food they are throwing away sadly food waste is a bit like driving most people think they're an above average driver um and most people think that they don't throw away food um when you know sadly the reality is that they do yeah so it is a surprise to people when they hear that i i imagine yeah but it also suggests that they you know if they have the uh you know at least some of the solutions to the problems within their own homes or in their own hands doesn't it I mean, one of the other issues that often comes up around this whole debate is this notion of, uh, you know, businesses and large businesses uh, greenwashing reputations by, you know, maybe having, you know, small initiatives around these kind of areas uh, where, you know, it, it kind of maybe masks the the wider impacts of the entire the whole food system and the supply chain and, and, and so on. Uh, is, is that something uh, that, that you think about or concerns you? Uh, yes, in a word, it is. We definitely see quite a lot of greenwashing or as we call it, charity washing, which is where a business will perhaps work with a small number of charities to redistribute a fraction of their food. And then they sort of use that halo effect to imply that they're redistributing all of their unsold food to charity, which is just not true. The game changer here will be when governments insist upon businesses having to publish their food waste data. The minute that their food waste data is public, that will transform their willingness to engage with solutions such as ours and, and, and others to ensure that they get to zero food waste stores. But until that happens, uh, I'm afraid we are going to experience probably more and more greenwashing and charity washing. Is that something that you're... Uh working on or pushing for 
Yeah, I mean, it's something that I always encourage people when you see a store throwing away perfectly good food, you should ask them why they are doing that and where that food is going to and why aren't they redistributing it. And often they will then say to you, oh, well, we do redistribute our food to charity. And then the two questions you need to ask is how many of your stores redistribute food to charity and how much of their food are they redistributing? And when you sort of probe beyond the initial response, that's when um, you'll get closer to the truth. And the reality is businesses will only take action when either the government forces them to or when their customers force them to. So, you know, we really, really need to harness our power. Every time we see a store throwing away food, we need to be calling them out on it. And very, very quickly, that will lead to them taking action. And social media is a very, very powerful tool, by the way. We have definitely seen what can happen when just a regular person takes a photograph, they share the evidence, they tag in the name of of that business and, and they ask them why they're doing that and why aren't they working harder to make sure that food's redistributed. And it's amazing, amazing how quickly that uh, yeah makes the businesses keen to start solving the problem. Well, it is like it's a massive problem. I remember we touched on this as part of our Reach for Zero campaign, you know, and research in the background of that, like restaurants was a, was a huge part of it because although sort of supermarkets could maybe say, right, we had 10 sandwiches, two people bought some, eight were thrown out for restaurants. I mean, you go into some restaurants and the food is piled high on your plate and there's no way that people can actually really use that. But I, I just wondered sort of like just to carry along to the next point, really, you've sort of touched on this already with consumer power and tackling food waste in relation to the climate change, do you think? people are using that enough or could we be doing more to use like tools like social media to shine a light? I think there's a lot more we can all be doing. And, you know, I've been in this space for seven, nearly eight years now. And I try and call things out when I see them. And I am often pleasantly surprised by the impact it can have. You know, I'll go to an event and I'll just see plastic cups everywhere. And then I'll write an email to the event organizer just asking them, why are they doing this? Are they aware of the role of plastic in the climate crisis? And it is amazing the impact that you can have. So I would, and, and the beauty of it is it only takes a few seconds, right? It takes less than 30 seconds to ask someone in a store why they're doing what they're doing or to send someone an email or to post something onto social media. And then you force people to think about it and you sort of snap them out of the status quo thinking. We've you know, it is a climate emergency and hardly anyone is acting as if it's an emergency. But if we, millions and millions and millions of individuals, just start calling people out every single day about this, then we can absolutely accelerate the pace of change. And you don't have to wait for a voting cycle to vote in, you know, a new political party or, or, or something like that with all their vested interests, you can actually use your own power and your own voice in your everyday life to drive the change that you want to see. You kind of preempted what is one of my final questions I think I was going to ask Tessa there. Uh, you know, we see people like yourself in the public role or professional role that you have, but it must be uh privately then when you go around the place you must kind of never be able to switch off and see this kind of stuff all around you you just see waste everywhere you go 
and I know you touched earlier on about saying sometimes it can be depressing to to work in this area or to talk about or to, to kind of discuss it as we're doing now. But how how do you kind of uh, cope yourself with that kind of uh, you know the the knowledge and and the kind of stuff you walk around with and see every day? Is it hard to to keep yourself personally kind of motivated and hopeful? It is hard. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, when you know the truth, once you understand the gravity of the situation in which we are in, and when you see how little is being done by businesses and by governments in particular, and by you know, people who don't yet know about it, it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. But what sort of, I guess I'm kind of a glass half full kind of person, you know, I, I'm just endlessly optimistic. I've got sort of the energy of a Jack Russell, just persistent, just keep going, keep going. And um, what gives me, I, I guess, sort of that energy is two things. I, I take my negative energy from watching documentaries and reading books, which quite frankly, terrify me every time I learn more about the science. So that kind of, I, I have a lot of negative momentum coming from that stuff, but then I equally have positive momentum as well. Every time I go on to our backend systems and I can just see thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of listings of food items that are being successfully shared. And I go into the forum section of the app and I just read all these incredible heartwarming stories about just two individuals connecting a local community to do something so simple as sharing. And I see all the wonderful stuff that comes off of that. That's what really gives me inspiration and hope. And when I look at Olio, Olio kind of overall, so far we've had 66 million portions of food successfully shared by the app. And that has had an environmental impact equivalent to taking over 200 million car miles off the road. And we've also saved over 10 billion litres of water. And I find that absolutely mind blowing. But what really excites me is we're currently doing you know, a rounding error, a fraction of the full potential that we could have and already look at how big those numbers are. So, um, yeah, that's what kind of keeps me getting up every day is both the sort of environmental impact that I can see we're having, but also just the human impact as well. Mm -hmm. We are getting close to the tipping point, aren't we, as they say? Um, and looking at those figures, I mean, it's just right that you call your your food champions heroes in this fight. Um, but I was wondering, you know, you'd sort of touched on this before about how the people that got involved through Oleo sort of, in a way, become less depressed. Was that because they're making connections within their community and it sort of, in a way, while it's helping to reduce food waste, you're getting rid of loneliness as well. But as as a sort of like drive on from that, what, what would you say to anybody listening to this to convince them to join in with this struggle and, you know, to make those links within their communities, to join up to Oleo, maybe become one of your heroes. So you're absolutely correct. A lot of people join Oleo because they hate waste. What keeps them using Oleo is the social connections that they are building with their own local community. So we ran some research recently and over 40% of Oleoers tell us that they have made friends through the app. And as I touched on before, you know, 66% of people say that sharing has improved their mental well-being. We do, in parallel to having a climate crisis and an inequality crisis, we also have a loneliness epidemic. And bringing people together to share can actually tackle all of those three problems. 
and it is incredibly powerful. And there's a reason why human beings have been sharing for literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, because it works. And what I would say to anybody who is thinking about it is to give it a go. Um, and we always recommend that the starting point is just to add some spare stuff that you might have in your home to the app. So do a bit of a cupboard clear out, either sort of in your kitchen cupboard or you know, perhaps you've got that toiletries drawer that I think most people have of stuff that is gathering dust, bath bombs they're not going to use or a shampoo they use twice doesn't work for their hair. Try adding that to the app and uh, you will without doubt receive lots of requests. So half of all the food listings are requested in less than 25 minutes and half of all household items are requested in less than two hours. So it takes you know 10 seconds to add something. Very quickly, you'll have members of your community requesting it. You can look at their profile and their star rating and all sorts of data to choose who you want to share with. And then you get to experience what it's like. Uh, and it does. It, it feels really good to give away something you don't want to someone who is living nearby who would like it. And if we all do that, then we really can have impact. You know, Look at how quickly it seems like pretty much everyone has moved on to Instagram. Well, let's just imagine what could happen if we got everybody, you know, sharing instead of throwing stuff away. It would be absolutely transformative. I've got one one niggly question in the back of my mind because um, you've sort of spoken about the leaps and bounds that Tesco are making, and it's amazing that they've joined forces with you and, and you spoke of wanting other supermarkets to join up. But you've also sort of touched on the whole marketing side of things and you know, I think a lot of people listening to this might actually think, well, I know you're saying with the food waste, they're sort of responsible for 10%, people 2.5 times that. But do you think that the supermarkets need to do more? Without doubt, the businesses that I have spoken to and the supermarkets, I, supermarkets I've spoken to recognise that actually the majority of food waste takes place in the home, not in their own stores. But they believe, and, and quite understandably, that they are in no position to preach to their customers until they have got their own business operations in order, which is why many businesses such as Tesco are focusing on trying to get rid of their own food waste. And as they start sort of coming out the other end of, of getting there, I think as consumers, we will see more and more communications from our supermarkets. Uh, encouraging us not to throw away food. And we've seen movements certainly in the UK with supermarkets proactively removing unnecessary date labelling, for example, and proactively doing things like sharing recipes and, and things like that with you and storage tips so that we can all learn how to waste less food in our homes. Um, and we might say sort of, you know, why would they want to do that? The analogy that I would use would be slave labor in their supply chains, for example. It is completely unacceptable to have slave labor in your supply chains. Businesses have signed up to that. They recognize that because we, the customers, are telling them it's unacceptable. And I would like to think that the same is now going to start happening to food waste, that it will become unacceptable for businesses to be having business practices that are encouraging us as their end consumers to be wasting food rather than making sure it's eaten. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe to Tipping Point wherever you get your podcasts.